The witching hour, someone had once whispered to her, was a special moment in the middle of the night when every child and every grown-up was in a deep, deep sleep and all the dark things came out from hiding and had the world to themselves. Mm -hmm. I've just been itching to cast a spell on you. Welcome to The Witching Hour, a podcast that discusses witches in literature, film, television, history, and pop culture. My name is Shannon. And I'm CJ. And today we're going to be talking about the witchy origins of the German holiday Walpurgisnacht. <laughs> That's great. I was like, I have to actually try for CJ. So it was perfect. Thank you. I guess it's worth pointing out. I believe this holiday originates in Germany, but it is celebrated pretty much all throughout Northern Europe and Scandinavia. So it's kind of a big one. (laughs) Yeah. I honestly, I was surprised that like until this, I really didn't know that much about it. Neither did I. Last year on Instagram, I saw a lot of people posting pictures of the bonfires from it, but I had no real concept of what it was or what it commemorated until literally today so (laughs) yeah well i think i probably would have just assumed it was like beltane or something which we'll talk about in a moment indeed we will foreshadowing i would also like to point out i so i'm i'm still drinking the beer church pontius pilot ipa which now that it is holy week in the christian church is both more and less appropriate somehow i think I'm going to go with more. I, I like that, right? It's like yeah. on theme. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> okay, so high-level background. Walpurgis night. Walpurgis night. <laughs> I'm going to do that the whole time. Um, celebrates Saint Walpurga, who was hailed by the Christians of Germany for battling pest, rabies, and whooping cough, as well as witchcraft. So... A quite a impressive feat to overcome. Also, side note, I don't know if you've looked at this recently, but I basically rearranged it. I did. I think okay, it made good. sense. <laughs> this was like the Wikipedia article for Walpurgisnacht like is pretty impossible to read because it's just like sentence with six or seven uh footnote markers next to it and then it's like what the hell is this so i was trying to figure out the best way to rearrange it based on like four different other articles i had found and i was struggling so when i came in and you had magically fixed it i was like (laughs) oh yes thank god i do like my rearranging i think it flows a lot better listeners you should thank cj (laughs) (laughs) so saint valpurga She actually, like, as far as saints go, her story is kind of boring. Like, she was born in Devon, England in around 710 AD into a prominent Anglo-Saxon family. Apparently, she studied medicine, which was kind of cool. Yeah. And then became a Christian missionary to Germany, where she either founded or was, like, part of founding a monastery in Heidenheim, which translates to heathen home. Which is kind of a great name for a place. I agree. I loved that. And 
I love that it was apparently named after a spring there that was called Hedenbrunnen, <laughs> which was named for having been a place where many heathens were baptized. So because of this association, she kind of gets credited with c- helping convert people to Christianity and phasing out paganism in Germany, but... I couldn't, like, they didn't really say what she actually did, so I'm not sure if it was more of just her monastery happened to be on top of this spring that was kind of known for that, or if she played some larger role in evangelizing Christianity. Yeah, she also apparently, like, cured a lot of illnesses. I'm guessing, like, just having the monastery there was probably, like, essential, but... Yeah. Apparently, so, she died in 777. And when I saw this note, I was like, no, that can't be it. So I went and searched on, like, multiple different sources. Because, you know, saints always have really interesting death stories. Like, St. Catherine was tied to a wheel that was set on fire and rolled down the streets of Siena. Oh, dear God. And, honestly, I I forget the guy who's flayed. He's always pictured holding his skin. But apparently she just got sick. So I guess that's like a pretty great way to die as a saint, but much less interesting than some of our other saintly stories. So the reason she gets inducted into sainthood is because after she was buried, her tomb began oozing an oil that apparently is healing. And this whole phenomenon was declared a miracle. St. Valperga's oil is said to heal sickness, and Benedictine nuns still distribute vials of it to Christian pilgrims who visit her tomb today. So that's kind of gross, I think. But <laughs> saints are saints' relics are always like oozing healing things. That's like a thing. I know. It's always like, oh, this church has someone's toe, or this like <laughs> they ship the body parts all over the place. It is just bizarre because it is so pagan and then they're shit talking pagans all the time so a little bit hypocritical but yeah but you know it's holy so it's different oh my bad you're right (laughs) so saint valpurga became associated with may 1st because so it's unclear whether she was canonized on that day it was definitely the day when her relics were what they call translated or moved to their final resting place. But either way, May 1st became her feast day. Except, like, it was kind of already taken. Yeah. So we're going to revisit that (laughs) incredibly common phenomenon that we (laughs) first kind of dove into on our Halloween slash Samhain episode because much in the same way that Samhain was taken by All Hallows' Eve... May Day gets co-opted by uh, Walpurga, the, the Feast of St. Wal- Walpurga, which <laughs> then kind of morphs into Walpurgisnacht. So, how did that happen, CJ? So, funny you should ask. <laughs> so, Walpurgisnacht occurring on May 1st are, coincided with multiple spring holidays that had already been celebrated for hundreds and hundreds of years across Europe usually starting the night of April 30th and going to the night of May 1st. So in the Celtic tradition in Britain, Scotland, and Ireland, it's known as Beltane. And in kind of early modern England, it then became May Day. You know, if you ever read Shakespeare and heard of them, like having ribbons around the Maypole and dancing, 
Like, same holiday. I There were a couple articles I found that they weren't incredibly well-written, but they also said that this came from a just kind of generic spring festival in Germany that did not, they never named, but it has the same feel of all this stuff. Yeah, so it was like, you know, because, you know, early people's, depended so much on the calendar and the seasons and because there was kind of so much crosstalk as far as like northern europe and you know the celtic isles like that part of the year was a fertility festival for pretty much all of like northern europe and britain and so it was originally a festival to welcome spring ensure growth for the year ahead you know as they say of Beltane, which was pretty common of these festivals, it was a time of light and growth. It was associated with a variety of practices from the display of fresh greenery to the creation of, you know, certain breads and pastries associated with the holiday. But one of the most important elements was the lighting of fires on the 1st of May, which was meant to recall the growing power of the sun and provide an opportunity to cleanse and renew the conditions of the community. So kind of you know, as as with Samhain, that's sort of our transition from autumn to the death of winter. Now we're coming out of the dark period into the light of spring. Yeah, I love that Samhain has the bonfires as well. And it's kind of like meant to scare away the evil spirits before everyone kind of turns inward and huddles in like into the community before winter comes. And then in the spring they relight the fires probably to like banish all the shit that (laughs) that festered in the winter it's like interestingly it was probably a lot less like ethereal and pretty than that so they think that a lot of these rituals actually traced back to rituals for protecting livestock so during this time um animals were typically moved from their winter to their summer pastures and so they would light bonfires to scare away predators that too (laughs) So yeah, like super practical, but then, you know, became associated with all of these rebirth rituals, which was a little more exciting. So how did we get from there to witches? These rituals eventually become mixed with the mythology surrounded witches, just kind of because these days are thought to be when the veil between the worlds of the living and the dead are the thinnest. As former pagan beliefs gave rise to new Christianity and the fear of witches, it was natural for the formerly pagan festival to become associated with witchcraft. After all, like, what better day for witches and ghouls and ghosts to come around and s- destroy livestock and raise general havoc? Yeah, and for and so it's probably really, like, the rise of Christianity that made this associated with witches. Because, again, you know, it starts as, like, a pretty normal pagan holiday that's like, let's get rid of the dark spirits. And then the Christians come and they're like, witches, burn the witches. So... We know that um, in the during the time of the witch trials, so this was even written down in the Danish law code of 1521, they observed that witches are active at holy times, such as Maundy Thursday, which is uh, Holy Thursday to you modern Christians, and Valpurgisnacht, and are supposed to spend more time on these days than any other festive days in the year. And in 1579, the town of Mitterteich in Bavaria ordered a patrol on Valpergisnacht. Apparently in expectation of witches, but, like, nothing happened. It was, <laughs> it, it was fine. And then my favorite, because, you know, 
the, the Norse have to take it just a little bit farther. In 1727, in this one Swedish village, apparently a bunch of youths gathered under a window of a suspected witch on Valpurgis night to chant, Our Lord, free us from this evil troll. Teenagers. They're <laughs> assholes no matter what century you're in. I do love that the church is like, oh, witches are more active on these nights that we've specifically placed our holidays on to try to erase. It's like, yeah, because there were holidays there. That's why yeah. they're more active. It's like those were literally their holidays. And then you just superimposed your holidays on top of them. So like, mm. <laughs> So the way they kind of twist May Day is they wrap it up in this Germanic folklore holiday called Hexennacht, which literally means witch's night. And it was thought that Hexennacht was a night when witches met on the Brocken, which is the highest peak in the Harz Mountains, a range of wooded hills in central Germany between the rivers of Wesser and Elbe. <laughs> That's my guess. <laughs> They just, yeah, they have this idea that, like, and it's really heavily influenced by the concept of witches' sabbats, too. That all of these evil women are flying to the top of this, the highest peak on this mountain, and, like, I don't know, kissing Satan's butt and, like, (laughs) dancing naked around a fire. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's, like, no historical evidence to suggest that witches were more active around this time. It was literally all speculation. Or even on top of the Brocken. I think that, like... Well, yeah, that too. Some people were like, if you were going to practice (laughs) a traditional religion, like, that would be the place to do it. Because it's pretty difficult to, like, get up to the top of that peak and no one's gonna really be bothering you up there, but... There is, as far as I could find, zero archaeological evidence to suggest, like, anything really happened up there. Yeah, it was basically, like, there was a dark, scary forest on a mountain. And so people were like, oh, well, witches must be there because that's how this works. Where else would they be? (laughs) Well, and especially, you know, in Germany, if you read any of Grimm's folktales, witches are always in the forest. It's true. It's so true. So we have a real holiday, May 1st. Then we have this kind of concept of Hexenacht that coincidentally appears (laughs) on May 1st. And then we have Feast of St. Valperga that gets strategically placed on May 1st in order to try to, well, their claim was that it was to try to ward away witches and evil spirits, but... I think you and I both know that it was a way for the church to try to mask this holiday and kind of stamp it out. Yeah, it's not like they hadn't done it before. Because, I mean, as of the time when St. Valpurga died, like they were, people were still celebrating May 1st with all of their typical pagan traditions. And so they found that they could continue those traditions if they just pretended to be Christian. This is my favorite thing that people do. Is they're like, oh, we're just calling it Valpurgisnacht now? Okay. <laughs> but my my most favorite part is that, like, a lot of the pre-Christian rituals tend to survive anyway. Yeah, they're like, oh, we're just lighting fires now to scare off witches. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's what we'll do. It's for the witches. 
Yeah, and so, yeah, you get some interesting, like, mix of some of the pre-Christian rituals with some of these new witchy rituals. So, like Shannon said, they would light bonfires. Now it was supposedly to scare away witches, you know, before it was to scare away spirits. Before that, it was to scare away actual predators. And apparently in 16th century Ireland, they killed hares on May Day in belief that they were shape-shifting witches that were going to suck the cows dry and steal their butter, as one does. Yeah, I mean, if I was a witch that could shapeshift, my first goal would be to steal butter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, butter is pretty great, but like, it is. It's hard to, it's hard to shit on butter. (laughs) And then in in Scotland, it was a little friendlier. They would just put pieces of rowan above the doors of cow buyers to keep witches away. What is a cow buyer for the folks at home? A.K.A. um, I'm pretty sure it's just, like, the, the like, cow pen. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, we start with this holiday that's, like, pretty practical and then super pagan. And then all the pagan stuff becomes witch-related because now it's this Christian holiday. And if you don't think that this has reached you, if you have ever celebrated Easter and wondered why there are rabbits and eggs, that's because those are old pagan symbols of fertility. Boom! Hell yeah. <laughs> so yeah, although interestingly, I forget who I was talking about this with, because I was wondering, like, you know, is there any biblical evidence to, to suggest why they why Easter was this time? And then of course they reminded me that like duh, it was after Passover. And so Passover is obviously a lot older than Valpurgisnacht. Yeah. So it's very interesting that, you know, worlds away, these festivals were kind of centered around the same time of year. And then they sort of became recombined later through Christian missionaries. That's super fascinating. Huh. The universe is a small, a smaller place than it sometimes feels, isn't it? (laughs) This is true. Although, yeah, because I mean, Passover seems relatively arbitrary because it was like, you know, it was when the Jewish people were like passed over because they put the lamb's blood on their doors so that, their children wouldn't be killed when the dark spirit or not dark spirit when the you know angel of god or whatever came through but like how interesting that that was placed around the equinox Mm. also we used to have that concept of warding away spirits again so (laughs) which as you notice i almost said spirits (laughs) it's potato potato so now i'm wondering if there's like even a pre- judaic tradition that it came from but that is beyond the scope of this episode but just know think of that think of that meme of charlie day standing in front of the book of the board of papers with all the little red pieces of string (laughs) welcome to mythology i've never seen always sunny which i know i know but that is an excellent meme (laughs) yes so yeah everything's connected Sometimes it is. That is a fact sometimes. So I think that um, before we go back to deeply into how Valpurgis Noct looks today, it's kind of worth calling out the Brocken, the tallest peak in the Harz Mountains, just because it kind of crops up in folklore of the area a lot. So it has long been associated with witches and witchcraft, and many think that the terrain of the Harz Mountains kind of lends itself to this. It has this very, 
Grimm's Brothers enchanted forest feel with its craggy peaks, gloomy forests, and river banks flanked by towering cliffs. It also straddles the border between former East and West Germany and is just steeped with tales of magic and apparitions. Stories that were collected during the 17 and 1800s show that its reputation reached far beyond Germany's borders. So from France to Scandinavia, country folk traded tales of the strange happenings on the Brocken. It also makes its uh, it makes an appearance in Faust as the center of revel- revelry for witches. And now I'm going to try to read the quote, but I only read through it once, so we'll see how it goes. I believe in you. Now to the Brocken the witches ride. The stubble is gold and the corn is green. There is a carnival crew to be seen. And the squire Uranus will come to preside. So over the valleys our companies float with witches a-farting on stinking old goats. (laughs) (laughs) This makes me so happy. I know. Also, I'm pretty sure Goethe wrote this in German, so I'm impressed that they made it rhyme. Although, I yeah, could, he it was originally German, right? He didn't write it in English. I would have to imagine it had yeah. to be. This must be the work of some incredible comparative literature <laughs> professor, I'm assuming. And so Goethe will become important later, so remember that passage. The Brocken is also the peak that inspired Russian composer Modesty Mussorgsky's famous composition Night on Bald Mountain, which perhaps you might remember from Fantasia, the very end. Oh. Yeah. With Chernabog. Oh my god, Chernabog. So actual uh, Scandinavian god appears in American Gods by Neil Gaiman, which I am currently reading. So good. Do you love it? I do love it. Oh my yeah. god. Ah. Uh, okay. And then one more fun fact. The Brocken's frequent fogs make it the ho- frequent home to a visual phenomenon called the Brocken Spectre, which I would say definitely Google images of this because it's wild and I'm going to explain it, but it's kind of hard to picture. So it's basically this weird visual phenomenon that occurs when like the sun is behind you and it magnifies your shadow onto like a huge cloud opposite of the sun's direction and then these like halo like rings kind of form around this big shadow so it's like really freaky looking they look like these big ghosts kind of and like when you're up in the middle of these mountain ranges and you just see this humanoid shape kind of appear on the clouds before you you can imagine that that itself would lend to the air of like mystery and spookiness is is terrifying can confirm Uh, we'll post pictures of it on the instagram um i had a anthropology professor in college who saw this he didn't call i think he called it a mountain specter which is another name for it but he was super big in into studying like old Japanese religions and I guess there it's more associated with the concept of the Buddha and it's not as alarming or scary <laughs> to people. They're like, Oh, it's like just the Buddha, like the mountain Buddha, this is cool. Not so much <laughs> on the Brocken. All the tangled trees and 
spooky rocks outcroppings make it a little bit more sinister, I guess. <laughs> that is still really cool. But you can you can definitely imagine why people would have been like, oh shit, this place is haunted. It's filled with witches. <laughs> so although Valpurgis Nacht began, well, under that name, it began as a holiday for Europeans to protect themselves from witches by driving them away but has evolved into a kind of modern-day celebration of witches quite similar to Halloween. And, like I said, the cool part is that many of the rituals still trace back to these pre-Christian traditions. So apparently for a long time it was kind of, like, lost, at least in Germany. And so in the early 1900s, it came back into general knowledge, mostly due to appearing in Goethe's Faust. And so a revivalist movement tried to bring the holiday back by creating some new celebrations like fireworks and singing folk songs. And so this has continued to shift into the modern Walpurgisnacht, which is still celebrated in several Germanic countries as their kind of second Halloween. We need to get second Halloween established here ASAP. Right? One Halloween is really just not enough. Like, I feel like... Ugh, with America's whole, like, melting pot shit, like, we really lost the opportunity for a lot of cool, like, pagany holidays. I agree. So, yeah, I think someone un- please create this Kickstarter. Unfortunately, it's, like, the melting pot was actually more of just, like, a sanitizer that wiped away anything good or cool. But- well, I mean, it was a melting pot. It just melted everything into one thing. Yeah. it Or mel- melted away everything good. Yeah. Which is not cool. Anyway, I'm just bitter. But in other places, they still have this awesome holiday. So in Sweden, they sing folk songs and light bonfires. And in Germany, very much like Halloween, they dress in costumes, play pranks, and make loud noises to keep evil at bay. Because apparently evil is very skittish. (laughs) This is what is so funny to me about all of these holidays. Like... A bonfire is going to keep an evil spirit away from the cows. Like, it's an evil spirit. But it's apparently very scared of light, even though it supposedly came from hell where there's fire. Yeah. I guess unless you're going to back to, like, was it Dante's concept of hell that was just the center is all ice? Yeah. That, that yeah. The absence I, of light. <laughs> yes. The, the conception of hell is very complicated, Shannon. <laughs> but yeah i mean because again they kind of go with the evil spirits as fairies thing like that's why even why they have the rowan berries which are used to like ward off fairy tricks so i guess fairies are also afraid of fire but apparently they're also easily pacified um so in germany they also will leave pieces of bread spread with butter and honey called ankenschnitt as offerings for phantom hounds if we were just a generic <laughs> That sounded like it was going to be condescending. I just mean, if we were more of like, uh, if our the scope of this co- podcast covered more than just witches, phantom hounds would deserve their own episode. Oh, we Maybe we'll find, dogs do appear in many witchy tales. We might find a way to work them in. <laughs> episode 32, puppers! <laughs> <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing. I... I I do, but know that in my heart, I want to do that episode. So. Okay, good. We'll get ready for episode 32, everyone. 
in the, the meantime, so the Finnish um, merged the holiday with May Day into a celebration called Vapu. And so for a while, I guess it was only celebrated by the Finnish upper class. And then a bunch of students kind of took it up. And as, you know, as students gen- tend to do, they infuse it with more alcohol. So now it is a night of revelry and drinking, followed by a day of family picnics and the drinking of Sima, which is a kind of mead. I would love to have a night of reckless, reckless alcohol consumption followed up by a family picnic. I can't think of a a worse nightmare, honestly. (laughs) Really? That sounds fun. Well, it depends what part of my family, I guess. Well, okay, yeah. I'm only (laughs) counting the cool ones. Yeah, that's true. Only the cool ones. So... I'm sure there are more references to this in pop culture. The one that immediately came to mind was, of course, Harry Potter, because it's me. So those of you who have read it many, many times, like I have, may remember a reference to the Knights of Valpurgis. They were Tom Riddle's original gang back at Hogwarts, and thus a possible precursor to the Death Eaters. So you can imagine J.K. Rowling was having a little laugh with herself as she named this. Harry Potter just continues, say what you will about J.K. Rowling. I know it's not perfect, whatever, but the amount of just incredible, like, tiny little details and nuggets she manages to, like, stuff into every fucking corner of that book is truly incredible. Well, and, like, the the more I learn about mythology and the more I learn about, like, British and European, like, witchcraft and folklore, the more little details I notice in it. Yeah, it's truly impressive. I don't know if you have any other pop culture references. That was, like, my big one. I don't. I actually just opened the Wikipedia article to see if they had any listed. They do not. So, this was a quick one, folks. But sometimes... A short one is nice. (laughs) So yeah, takeaway messages. um, Yet again, early pagan holidays become Christianized and turned into bank holidays. (laughs) Capitalism is our god. (laughs) Yeah. And other takeaway, if anyone would like to get some kind of Valpurgis Noct movement going in America and you're better at planning and talking to people than we are, please get this started, because I would like to have a second Halloween. I agree. I think that there's someone out there who is incredibly capable of managing this that is not me. (laughs) I mean, it's like, God, Europe has everything, because they even have Carnival, which, unless you live in New Orleans, you don't get to have fun with. Yeah, we need just more holidays in general where we get to dress up in costumes and be a little devious. Yes, thank you. Alas. Well, our next episode, we teased it last new moon. I'm like, which moon are we on? (laughs) It's going to be a deep dive into the Pendle Witch Trials, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, there are some places on the internet where you can find us. We are on Tumblr at witchinghourpodcast.tumblr.com, Instagram at the Witching Hour Podcast, Facebook 
is facebook.com slash it's the witching hour. Our email is it's the witching hour at gmail.com. Our website is it's the witching hour.com. And we're on Twitter at witching hour pod. That's witching H R P O D. So, yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to put out some Ankenschnitt so the phantom hounds won't get you. And we'll see you next time. Enjoy your Valpurgisnacht. <laughs>